You see, Head & Shoulders has scalp shield technology, protects against flakes even between washes. It's never not working. Kind of like us. Number 15? Never not working. I don't like this one. Me neither. Let's get out of here. Head & Shoulders scalp shield, never not working. It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition, and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids' apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCU Pride Joy on Facebook and Twitter. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Follow the Black College Sports Network on social media at MyBCSN1, the number one, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at MyBCSN1. Welcome to another edition of the BCSN Sports Wrap. AD here, not with my normal partner, Brian Fulford. Pitch hitting today will be Jamie Walker. I move, let's see, depending on what device you are on, maybe, maybe two inches to the left, maybe two feet to the right if you're on a uh, 60 inch or something like that. But uh, Jamie, my brother, what's going on, man? Nothing much, man. All is well. I'm happy to be here. I'm glad you um glad you called me in the back, man. You know, I've been sitting on the bench, so you know, traveling up and down. I almost felt like you did last week. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna find out today. Does everybody like the uh, backup quarterback? Uh, since we're gonna stay with the football analogy, does everybody like the backup quarterback, or or do they still prefer to start? Or are you gonna be Steve Young and just uh, take over and, and move Brian out the way? Nah, never that, man. Never. I could never stand in Bryant in Brian's stance. I could never feel his shoes. I'm just happy to be here. All right, all right. I see uh I see uh Commissioner Steele's got you also uh with that Me Act Nation hat on. She got you for a few bucks while you were up there, huh? 
No, nah, no, nah, I actually, you know what? She got me a little bit before then. Um, okay. I actually paid my MEAC Nation dues. Those of y'all that, you know, graduated from institutions that were part of the MEAC while, um, you know, while, you know, your, your institution was in there, you know, you have an opportunity to still celebrate and, you know, rock with them, even in your new conference. So, hey, go ahead, do your thing. So um, I paid my, you know, dues to the MEAC Nation and, part of it uh you know me being a graduate north carolina a&t you know i, I still rock with a MEAC. I, I wish them the best i still want you know successful things for them so hey i'll even put my dollars to it so i got my you know while i was up there at media day i finally got the rest of my gear got my you know good MEAC nation hat man i love this it fits well you know i got a big dome so need a hat <laughs> with good coverage. you know what i'm saying it's, a, it's, a, it's a good one man I got you, my brother. I got you. Hey, I, I wonder what conference uh, Hillman was in on a uh, different world before they uh, went off the air, man. Were they were they part of BAC? Were they even been in the BAC Nation? You know what? I think they would have been part of the CIAA. <laughs> I can see it. I can easily see it. Now, now you're going to have some color confusion with it as far as, you know what I'm saying, the maroon, you know, it, you know, between them, Virginia State and – Virginia Union and all of them. I mean, just all mixed up between the oranges and the maroons and all of that. And you might have had some trouble, but I see them being a CIAA school. Look, it, look, it seems like every uh, HBCU is a tiger. So if we could figure out what tiger is which for which school, I think we could get by the coloration portion of it. <laughs> I think so too, man. That must have been just, you know, between, you know, lions, tigers, and bears. That must have been the, the move. Oh, my. Here, man. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I will give, you know, fam, you some props. You know, you know, the Rattler does stand out. It is unique. So, that, you know, the I get it. But, yeah, yeah, definitely a lot of Tigers involved in, in HBCU sports lore. There's only two Aggies that I could think of. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, Texas A&M and North Carolina A&T. So, I get the Aggies. They're credited in the HBCU sphere. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we, we, we're the yeah. only ones. Unique, definitely. Well, unique to everyone, um, but definitely a part of our heritage and how we started and, you know, things of that nature. So it definitely fits. Yes, yeah, yeah. The only other Rattlers I know was the Arizona Rattlers, formerly of the uh, Arena Football League. So oh, yeah. We'll, we'll just leave that right there. Hey, if you're tuning in with us, with whatever form of media that you're tuning in with us, please like thumbs up whatever rating system that they have please give it to us give us the best that you can if we deserve it don't you know don't give us artificial rating and if we suck let us know we suck too but i don't think we're gonna have too many of those uh but most importantly like subscribe share 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 with a friend share with a colleague share with a fan of hbcu sports period or just hbcus in general and while you're at it don't forget the bcsn pod zone available on all of your streaming platforms your audio streaming platforms anchor spotify iheart uh apple google i think it's on just about everywhere that you can find streaming basically that that's the best way to put it jamie let me tell you where i was at this weekend before we get into these sports man 
uh, you know, we've been running this ad on the Black College Sports Network that has nothing to do with sport, sports for the Urban Nerd Con in Montgomery, Alabama. And about Thursday, I got a wild hair up by you know what and said Friday when I got off of work, I was going to go down and check it out. Well, I lied to myself. Didn't go Friday, <laughs> but I did make it down there Saturday and, oh, and check it out. Yes, I did make it down to the Urban Nerd Con in Montgomery, Alabama. Shout out to uh, Jericho Broadcast Network CEO Roy Evans for pulling off uh, his first con of any kind, the Urban Nerd Con, Blurds, as they like to call themselves. Those are black nerds uh, into comic books, uh, gaming, artists, man. I met some interesting people, and, and, and it was Outside of my comfort zone, outside of the sphere of things that I normally do, but just some of the conversations that I was able to have, met an 18-year-old young lady who has a uh, a a game. It's a board game that that she has that she has created. Met a lot of talented African American sketch artists. Uh, introducing to writers, producers, uh, all different kinds of people that I normally would not touch elbows. And my point to this is to everybody, you know, sometimes we got to step outside of what we normally do and the people who we normally rub elbows with and just get them because when it's all said and done, it's a lot of them were knowledgeable of sports. I had very little knowledge of, uh, where did we phrase that? When you talk about the Marvel and the DC comics, I I had I had some general knowledge of it. I held enough to hold a general conversation. Luckily, my uh, training in the uh, school of business taught me how to take what somebody else said and turn it back into a conversation. <laughs> but uh, it was good. And, and I'm gonna tell you who I got a chance to meet that I've always wanted to meet. Tybot, aka Bruce. Bruce Leroy. <laughs> all your all your old school people. From the eighties, about that, that that probably would have been high, that was high school for me. I don't know what it was for you, but I think that was high school for me. Bruce Leroy did get a chance to uh, rub elbows with Bruce Leroy. Man, that's awesome. Now, I mean, I was a uh, ride in the car. We were actually on the way back from Connecticut. Um, me, and my wife, and two kids, and was listening to the app. Um, and that commercial came on, and it was like, "What are you serious, Bruce Leroy?" Like we've shown. The Last Dragon to my my youngest, and he absolutely eleven years old, and he loved it. Like we showed it to him like two three years ago. My wife is a, is a huge fan. We almost went, but we had some other stuff going on. I've been traveling the last couple of days, so we were gonna make it. But I'm glad it was a good turnout and that it was um that all went well, man. I'm glad. You know, kudos to to Roy and just the rest of the crew. Actually, tune in to um to Grumpy Old Nerds and just heard them go back and forth about, you know, placement of, of comics and who should be playing this character. And it was totally out of my element because all I do is sports. But <laughs> it was just interesting to see other people interested in other stuff other than sports. It was just cool. It was cool. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of sports, and speaking of being on the road, you were at BAC Media Day. Now, before we get into the nuts and bolts and the teams and everything related to, to the teams and that and the student athletes on media day give me your instant reaction to media day 
the atmosphere of media day, the accommodations, you know, there was some stuff back and forth on Twitter where people were, were dissing the B act because they did not have a setup like the swag did. You were, you were there. Uh, and then uh, also tell us about some of the other media outlets that were there and specifically the HBCU media outlets that were there. Well, of course, the the ones, um, Herb Street was there, um, HBCU game day. A lot of the local press was were there, but it wasn't as in, in abundance um, um, media as, and of course, Black College Sports Network, of course, we were there. But, um, you know, with Dr. Cavill, I actually um, co-hosted the show with him. But um, it, it, And y'all did a very um, good job. I, I, I went back and watched the full replay today. Well, yesterday, I went back and watched the full replay. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. Yeah, man, it was um, with them having only six teams, of course, the setup wasn't going to be the same. But, you know, the banter on Twitter is so hilarious because of the interest in HBCU sports. Just, you know, just being what it is at this point, the exact two setups were the same last year. <laughs> I mean, the MEAC setup was the same as last year. The SWAC setup was the same as last year. So I guess, you know, I didn't make too much of a fuss out of it. I thought some of the people that, you know, kind of comment on each of them set up was, it, it was comical to me. It was more funny than anything, but it, it, it wasn't a big deal at the end of the day. But it was the exact same two setups um, as last year. So I know, you know, man, I, I, I'm loving the elevation of the profile of HBCU sports uh, when it comes to people paying attention to tablecloths and, you know, um, wraparound sets and, you know, things of that nature. So, I mean, but the MEAC setup was good in that, um, in that really you just had all the teams be able to talk to media in the first half. So it kind of um, was in reverse of the SWAC media day, whereas, you know, they were able to talk to media um, in half. So um, from about 9 to about 10, 30 that's when they were able to kind of make their rounds uh reporters were able to go to to each of the tables so we kind of had you know a triple threat where um it was dr cavill and his assistant uh his assistant was able to go around the different tables and talk um and interview players dr cavill would talk to coaches um on his show as well we would kind of rotate in that manner but it was great because you saw the celebration bowl trophies there the MEAC championship trophy um in place and so when you looked at the way they set everything up, it was really good, um, informative. But you could also see the unification that uh, Commissioner Stills kind of instilled in the um, in the coaching staff. I think they had a meeting the night before, and really the message, and you can see the unifying message um, within those squads is that we are one conference. Um, you can even hear that out of the players when I talk to a few um, in that, you know, the MEAC is strong, productive, and they play good football, so watch out. Um, you know, kind of with a chip on their shoulder uh, to some degree because really the, the I guess all the banter has been more so about um, what other schools and other conferences have done and, you know, they're, they're getting the coverage where the Celebration Bowl champion lives in the MEAC. And so five of, the, five of the six years of it. Hey, tell it. So, and was it, and so when correct it, me if I'm wrong. Is it 15 of the 18 challenges 
have been won mm-hmm. by the BEAC, something along those lines. I know it's double digits to single digits. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to, um, you know, when it comes to them, it's more so, and, I, and understandably so, uh, people want to know what this conference is going to do to combat losing so many teams at once, um, what it's going to do to rebuild overall. And I think that was the underlying question. And for some, that question wasn't answered. But I think Commissioner Stills um, did a formidable job in saying, look, we don't know what this is going to look like. And I think some of those Division One meetings are coming up this week in that uh, you're talking about what teams can move up, you know, and, and possibly come into the conference. I know there's been some rumors that three teams are already targeted, um, which hadn't been substantiated. But I think she's confident in the, the six teams that are there, the eight teams total, um, saying that, um, you know, her, as she, you know, calls them the elite eight. She's comfortable right now until other uh, parameters are laid out just standing pat because she doesn't want teams just for numbers, but she wants the correct kind of teams to come into the conference. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, she did mention uh, the Division Two teams that the BAC is currently vetting teams, but until the rulings or the new guidelines come out, for the was it division one council uh i forgot the exact term that it's called but the group of leaders who are putting together these new parameters you know i i think especially at the fcs level i think everyone is uh going to stand pat for right now and you may get a year or two moratorium yeah you'll see you'll see the fbs team switch conferences and everything but as far as fcs to fbs Division two to FCS, you know, it we may get a year or two more to, and we may need that to let this stuff stabilize so that let the big boys figure out what they want to do, what conferences they want to go go to. Once they get that settled, now some of these F, FCSs who have aspirations, realistic aspirations to move up to FBS. Now we know where the openings are and the slots, and you can move up with a viable chance of setting yourself up to compete because no one wants to move up to FBS and become a sacrificial lamb. When you say you have to move up to be able to compete with the Alabamas and win the national championships, but for your fan base, for your alumni and everybody else, you at least want to move up and give yourself an opportunity to be able to finish 500 and get to whatever bowl game that that'll be left over once they get the uh fbs playoff stuff taken care of yeah you've you've also seen teams leave and go to other conferences and really doubt that it wasn't everything it was cracked up to be you know the southland we thought you know was left for dead now all of a sudden they have teams coming back um you know coming in and now you know i guess familiarity has kind of settled in with that you know sometimes you know the other side is just not so appealing once you see how everything uh kind of goes but i think you know dr cavill you know and him and i you know i I learned so much from um him you know this conference churning as he refers it um is nothing new it's just now you know the money is a little bit different in that athletes are able to kind of um to kind of recruit what, you know, monetarily, what work they put in. Um, along with that, when you're talking about media rights and, 
and things of that nature. You're talking about what schools can benefit monetarily from what they do now and, and really are putting themselves in position to do so. So I think from that standpoint, you have to analyze what is good for you. I think for HBCUs, we can't make moves um, from a financial standpoint that other teams can. And I think as people continue to compare Power Five schools with HBCUs, th there's it, it's you you truly are comparing apples and oranges. You know, we can't take a West Coast team. I mean, it's you know, no West Coast HBCUs anyway. But you can't just take any random school and just put them together. We still have to have certain considerations. Let's just talk about North from schools. Texas to the Northeast. Just exactly. Texas to the Northeast. Exactly. You know, uh, you know, for football, it's great that you have a conference like the Big Ten that essentially goes across all four time zones. For the Olympic sports, the student athletes were not considered that there, there will be athletes from UCLA that will have to travel to Rutgers on a Tuesday night to play basketball or a Wednesday morning to play softball. I'm I'm just I'm just putting it out there. I don't think the student athletes have, were thought about doing for that. Have you ever looked at the um the um thirty for thirty for ESPN, the um uh, to uh, uh to the Big East? Yes, I have. I don't know if you it, 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 that gives the classic example of what's going on right now. There is no football reigns supreme and every everybody else be damned, basically. So yeah. it's it's one the of Big those East was the where... premier basketball conference for uh, close to twenty years. Well, Absolutely. did it even last twenty years? Was it maybe 20? fifteen? Do you have talk? You talk about late seventies up until mm -hmm. uh, until about the thousands. Yeah, for so twenty years or so. Do you talk about seventy eight, seventy nine, up until I think Georgetown kind of became irrelevant after the Allen Iverson era. Uh, Othello Harrington, all, all those guys in the late 90s. Yeah, and so you're talking about all of those teams. It was perfect. Same style of basketball, same thing culturally. I mean, right there in the Northeast, you didn't have Four or five states. travel so much. It was perfect. It was absolutely perfect. They played the same brand of ball. I mean, it was it was perfect. And that's what I still say about um, in certain Sam Ewan Bethune-Cookman going to the SWAC. I think, and I still say it, and I stand on it. It is, it was a perfect move because culturally it fits. It, it, it really does. It wasn't for the betterment of the MIAC, of course. But when you're talking about cultural fit, fam, you and Bethune Cookman just absolutely fit. But when you're talking about fam, you and Bethune were football playing teams in a basketball conference. Absolutely, I'm so glad you said it that way. Because I think there's good football played in the MEAC, but make no mistake, that area of <laughs> of the United States and the Mid Atlantic, they play basketball too, and they take yeah. their basketball and, seriously. But that that's because of the the MEAC is an offspring is the is the grandson of the CIAA. Absolutely. The CIAA is the pre. You, you can flip a coin between the CIAA and the ACC for the two premier basketball conferences. And when you Great look point. at the CIAA and the ACC, same footprint, at least the old Absolutely. ACC before the expansion. Same exact footprint. BIAC, same exact footprint as, as the CIAA 
and the ACC. FAMU and Bethune were always the outliers down there in Florida because, as we know, Florida is football, baseball, football and baseball uh, country. They were in a basketball first conference, and I think that's what it is. The Southwestern Athletic Conference, which has a footprint of the SEC, is a football it first is. conference. All, uh, always has been and continue, and continues to be. And one of the things that I always um, thought would raise a profile as well or or that would advance would be the SWAC um, baseball foot, uh, SWAC baseball profile with FAMU and Bethune coming in because those are two good baseball-playing institutions. Um, I think A&T might have been the other conference winner in the MEAC. But when you're talking about FAMU and Bethune, you're talking about some baseball players that, that, that you know, that love the sport and, you know, and really have their all in, and, and give their all to it. So when you're talking about mixing them in into the SWAC who plays great baseball as well, I'm telling you, just fit like hand and glove, man. It was, it was you know, a natural fit. Well, the, the, the SWAC now has two of the three hottest baseball states in America with Florida and Texas. Uh, with two teams in each state, you know, the only, only place they don't have a team at is in California. Then, like you said earlier, we don't have any HBCUs in the state of California. Hey, let's do some shout outs right quick uh, for those who have actually liked and subscribed. That way they got that ding, that bell, that notification when you and I came on the air. Sorry if y'all were looking for Brian. He had to take the day off today. He had some uh, personal things going on, but Got my man Jamie Jamie Walker. He he got warm on the sideline. Uh, Brian pulled the hamstring before the uh, before the kickoff, so we knew we we knew we were going with our backup quarterback today. Uh, shout out to Ricky Burton. Uh, but Brian is tuning in and watching us from 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 his new home. He's watch he's watching us from See, the uh, trainer's room. <laughs> no, listen, Brian doing Brian doing that thing that I hate. Like, oh yes, I, that we all movement? hate it. We all hate it. Listen, I'm cool. Me and my wife said, look, if we ever decide to throw up the deuces, I'll go to one end of the house, you can go on the other, and we can call it a day. I'm not going anywhere. What's the song? I'm not leaving. <laughs> you ain't leaving. Oh, I thought you was gonna pull out I thought you was gonna pull out cheaper to keep. <laughs> <laughs> that part, sir. That part. Hey, but, uh, but kind of what you <laughs> Go ahead. Oh, no, oh, I mean, just, just I mean, just the MEAC kind of, you know, going full circle. You know, the MEAC right now is in a position of stabilization. They're trying to get stable. And I think what came out of those meetings and out of the media day was that, hey, we play really good football. Um, watch us play football. We'll handle the rest. We're unified. That's kind of was, was the theme um, for for media day for them. Yeah, a uh, couple of the shout outs I need to get in. Uh, once again, Ricky Burton, Chuck Hunt, all, always uh, joining us. Oh, lost my page right there. I believe I saw Tamara T, who's who's on here. Joseph Brandon Williams, Real Talk is on here. Doctor Cavill watching us, my brother. Doctor Cavill, who who you y'all probably got enough of each other this week. But uh, shout out to Doctor Cavill for I want to be like for watching you guys grow up. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, Blue Blue Dollar GSU uh, 
has us uh tuned in also but for all those who 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 i just called out i challenge you send this link to someone else so that they can watch us also and uh we can get hey it's all about the algorithm man but we don't do clickbait like some of those people do out there we are actual journalists we are not we are not quote unquote content creators who's just trying to get clicks out there uh before before we go into this break jane we got some sad news that uh we need to report that we need to report the fact that bill russell passed away today bill russell uh y'all talk about jordan you talk about everybody else this was the greatest winner in sports and in addition to being a great winner in sports he was an advocate for Afri- African-American rights uh, back in the day. He was one of the people who sat with Muhammad Ali when Muhammad Ali uh, made his stance against the Vietnam War. Just th- let, me, let me give you some things about Bill Russell. One, two titles with the San Francisco Dons in NCAA. Won 11 titles in 13 years in the NBA. Yes, it was only an eight-team NBA. I don't care how many teams it is. 11 out of 13 is still a remarkable feat. Oh, by the way, did I did I mention that he has an Olympic gold medal, Jamie? Uh, did you not, know, yeah. Okay, he has an Olympic gold medal. Had an average coaching career, but you know how how many great players have a stellar coaching career after a stellar uh, playing career? And in in addition to that, if there if block shots were a stat in his day, he would have been the runaway leader in block shots. But block shot did not become a stat until the eighties. For all you stat nerds out there in the in the NBA. Uh, Jamie, any comments on Bill Russell? Just one of the greatest humans um, ever, man. It's one of those things when you're talking about someone who was an advocate for um, athlete independence and black athlete independence, they have an iconic photo of him, um, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I think it was... um, Muhammad Ali and Jim Brown. Yeah, Jim Brown. It was um Billy. I know exactly Mitchell, which photo you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, iconic photo. Just tell he wasn't afraid of anything. If you read some stuff about the about the chronicles of Bill Russell in his time in Boston, what some people did to him, um, you would be taken aback. Um, somebody actually broke into his, defecated on his bed. You know what I'm saying? It, it like if you don't understand history, um and understand significance it you know it it sways you in some ways but understanding that history you're focused on the task at hand when it comes to black independence in general and so these icons passing away um kind of you know it doesn't taint it but but we all need to be reflective on what it could be and how far we've gone and how much we still have to go yeah he was a presidential medal of freedom winner and last thing that I'm going to say on Bill Russell, uh, I remember reading this, and unfortunately, this incident happened in my hometown of St. Louis, uh, 
Missouri, but Boston Celtics were playing. No, check that. I believe this happened, may have happened in Kentucky, but the Boston Celtics were playing a preseason game, and I believe it was in Louisville, Kentucky, and he, along with uh, Casey Jones and a few other Celtics, refused to play because of hotel accommodations. And uh, so, yeah, they refu- they refused to play in a preseason game until hotel accommodations were taken care of for the black athletes, i.e. the black athletes were able to stay with the white athletes at that time. And I also remember where I believe he led a, a protest right before one of the all-star games for some similar type issues. So uh, talk about Bill Russell is the goat of the goats. Best thing that I can say. Any last comments before we go to break? Absolutely. The greatest winner in sports, man. The greatest winner in sports. RIP to Bill Russell. Let's let's take a moment of silence, Jamie, and all those watching us, and then we will go to break and we'll come back with some news and notes and break down uh the non BAC teams that we have left AT. Uh, Tennessee State and Hampton. But right now, moment of silence, Bill Russell. This is the BCSN Pod Zone, your place. For the news, views, and conversations about all things related to HBCU athletics. Here the BCSN Sports Wrap, Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab, Knights of the Round Table, The Pre-Game Show, The Carlos Brown Show, The ONG Strike Zone, and more in one place. We are changing the way you consume HBCU sports one broadcast at a time. Maureen is saving big holiday shopping at Amazon. So now she's free to become Maureen the Marrier. Food is her love language. And she really loves her grandson. Like, really loves. Nope. Nope. Want him? Ooh, I like him. The quicker picker-upper. Bounty picks up messes quicker. And each sheet is two times more absorbent, so you can use less. He's an eight. He's a nine. Bounty, the quicker picker-upper. It's like a loot machine. offers the most advanced and luxurious pickup in its class. 
It Rocks. We're back here on the BCSN Sports Wrap. AD Drew moved over to uh, moved over to Chair One. JB Walker warmed up on the sideline. Backup quarterback in today in Chair Two. Uh, before we go any further, remember like, subscribe. Did y'all share this with a friend during that break? I mean to keep you on break for too long, but we wanted to make sure you had enough time to share this with a friend. Uh, Jamie. Go get into the BAC a little bit later, but let's talk about the other three independent, as we call them, HBCUs out there. Which one do you want to start with? I, I, I should almost guess where you want to start, but do you want to start with A&T? You want to save A&T for last? Oh, AD, we can, we can go with A&T first, man. We can go with, you know, North Carolina uh-huh. A&T first. You know, I, I, I don't ever mind talking about the Aggies. You know, that's my, that's my <laughs> I got you. I got you. And I, I'm going to go ahead and put it out there, Jamie. Did you see okay. Thursday's Dr. Caville's inside the HBCU Sports Lab? I caught some of it. Caught All some right. Of it. All right. Uh, go go ahead and give it to me. I kind of laid I kind of laid it thick on your team. Uh, and for those who, who, who missed the comments, my comment was, is A&T picked to finish first in the Big South because they are that good, or was it because of attrition, because the top teams in the Big South left for other conferences? Let me have it, Jamie. Why? Um, I think it's a little bit of both. I, I think um, it's a bounce-back year for the squad. Uh, what you have to realize last year is moving into a new conference – you weren't going to necessarily just go and win it. I think, you know, FAMU, for example, moving into the SWAC last year and, you know, really being successful um, is not the norm. Uh, so, when I, you know, when you're coming off a long layoff and you're moving into a new conference and really some unfamiliar foes, you know, you're going to have your struggles. And so I think A&T had that last year along with, you know, some injuries to really some key uh, positions, replacing the quarterback, um, when you take, you know, replace the Khalil Carters uh, with the Jalen Fowlers and, and, you know, you don't really have the same kind of quarterback play you have, uh, plus an injury to, you know, um, John, who was, you know, uh, a thousand plus, you know, yard okay. running back. Uh, well, well, A&T you don't know. have a running back, you know, a- A&T can't play ball. I mean, you from Tariq Cole to John A. Barton and everybody in between. And you got to give props to, to Tootin, who came in last year. And, and, and did a, a yeoman's um, job, but you know, going into a new a new conference, hey, you know, no excuses. They didn't play well at times. Um, gave up leads. Didn't play disciplined football. And I think if you look at some of the the comments that um, head coach Sam Washington said during um, during the media day, during Big South media days, and I caught was able to catch some of that. You know, he said they didn't play disciplined football like they should. They they had leads. They gave up leads. You know, that loss to Garner Webb in the end really made the record look worse than it did. Um, but if you look at all of it, man, they still ended up finishing third uh, in the conference. Um, even with, though, you know, losing to those top two teams. If you, I mean, reviewing the games, 
in the Monmouth game, you know, couldn't hold their own. Monmouth was a good team. In the Kennesaw State game, they had no offense at all um, coming down, you know, coming down to the to Kennesaw, Georgia. You know, it was close until the end against that option attack. So, you know, not giving them any excuses at all. Uh, they should win this conference this year. If they don't, and, and you know, I've gone on record to say this, it doesn't bode well with them going forward into the CAA. Uh, because right now, if you just look at them top to bottom, I think Campbell has recruited well. Uh, they've recruited really well. Uh, but Your I homecoming think opponent, A&T, by the way. Yes, yeah. And, I mean, a well, homecoming opponent to Jack, if I'm not mistaken. The homecoming opponent to A&T, yeah, the homecoming opponent to A&T, I think, is um, – I've got yeah, I've got Campbell yes. on my schedule. This is as the, uh, what, homecoming the homecoming opponent. For homecoming? Yes. Hmm. Yes. Thought that was Jackson yeah. State's homecoming. I could be mistaken. But May, yeah, Campbell may I, be the, Campbell may be uh Virginia Lynchburg for a couple of teams. Maybe so, but I I, I think they don't <laughs> the, don't sleep on Campbell. Yes, uh, matter matter of fact, Campbell is uh to your point, Campbell is Jackson State's homecoming opponent the week before. They are AT's homecoming opponent. Mm, so yeah, yeah. I mean, you're talking about really a team that's recruited well, um, and and seems to be you know on the come when it comes to how they're putting their squad together. So and they're picked second. So I think when you're talking about the Big South and you're talking about A and T in general, they're getting back to some really fundamental A and T things. They want to be physical at the line, you know, at the line of scrimmage, be able to run the football, and they have a couple of backs. Uh, bringing Tootin back, number one. But along with that, I want you to look out for Charlie Dixon, who is a Atlanta Metro um, recruit. 6'2", 215. Hey, he looks the part. So I, I think they're going to be fine. But along with that, man, you're talking about some people, you know, on defense. You know, you're talking about some folks, you know, being projected to be all Big South. You know, linebacker Jacob Roberts. You're talking about Jermaine McDaniel. You know, you're talking about D.B. Karan Pronte, who who was at um, East Carolina. So you're talking about some parts that they needed because the secondary was not good at all. Um, not good at all. And so when you're talking about having those pieces together, if they can stay healthy, they should, they should win this conference. Um, it's not going to be as easy as people think, of course. But you're talking about, you know, A&T, and being able to do what they do. They're not going to, you know, they're not going to wow you, but they're going to do what they do. And I think in this conference, it really is um, their style of play is just fine. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. I think, again, they should win the conference. And, I, you know, and, you know, with their what happens. But, you know, for what's left of the Big South, they should absolutely win it. All right. Now, I've got a couple questions for you uh, as an A. This year may be the last year that you guys may play a true HBCU football schedule. What do I mean by that? You open, you open with the Aggie Eagle Classic. Then you host South Carolina State. You host Edward Waters. It actually is it's kind of favorable. You host all of your HBCU games, which is kind of good for A&T fans, and then you host uh, Norfolk State in in November. So j- just your thoughts about that, because realistically, we're going to the uh, 
to the uh, NEC, they I believe they play a eight eight game conference schedule currently, which which only leaves you three games. You got Aggie Eagle Classic is a lot. We know we know you know you're gonna have that one. Well, if you play a check game, that only leaves you one opportunity to play another HBCU opponent. So give me your comments on this year's HBCU portion of your schedule and then on on that going forward. Well, I'll tell you, um and it, it kind of previews what what the what some of the MEAC will be because they're playing really um a lot of quality MEAC opponents. Central, that game, as much as been it's been lopsided the last two or three years, this is not gonna be an easy game at all because I think North Carolina Central really has some pieces to be good this year. Um, you know, I was able to talk to Brandon Codrington, who is, you know, punt return extraordinaire and um corner who who really has played good ball. He said they're young in the secondary, but along with their offense, you know, you, you got Davius Richard coming back. You know, we yes. got to see what they're going to do with the running back at the running back position. But, you know, they have their full complement of receivers back. This is not going to be an easy task for A&T at all. Not going to be, you know, not going to be an easy task. Um, South Carolina State is South Carolina State. And what I mean by that is they were young last year. And if you look at that game in totality, A&T was losing the game up until about mid-third quarter. And then Corey Fields got hurt. They brought in the backup quarterback. He wasn't able to get them really anything um, throwing the football. And so they became one-dimensional, and A&T did what they did as far as being in football. Um, and then, go, and then you know, get back into the ball game and eventually play, I think it was 27-17. Um, A&T Roy, I see, I see the comments. Um, Prunty came from Kansas, not ECU. I don't know why I'm thinking about Ifedi. But, um, but, yeah, when you're talking about um, – who they're playing, South Carolina State could absolutely, you know, I was kind of looking up and down the record and worst case, best case type of scenario. Um, South Carolina State could could beat them, but the game is in Greensboro, so we'll see. Um, Norfolk State. Norfolk State is still a question mark for me because you got that, that, that big dog, J.J. Davis, in the backfield. But along with that, who is your signal caller? Who is your quarterback? Jawan Carter? Um, you know, Jawan Carter was, was, was excellent. Um, and, and you've seen him be able to throw and run the ball. So when you're talking about, um, you, when you're talking about their ways of, of being able to do, um, what they do, it's a thing of whether or not that defense for Norfolk state can actually stand in and stop people. And if they can't stop a offensively, we'll see. It's a lot of things that go, you know, along with being able to play an entire football game. But I think those are three quality HBCU opponents that um <laughs> that it, they should not sleep on. Now, you know, A.D. Earl Hilton and, you know, the president, um, no, Chancellor, uh, Earl, um, Chancellor Martin, made it a point to continue playing HBCUs regardless of what conference they were in. So I think that was, you know, they have matchups with Winston-Salem State coming down the road. They have, um, you know, matchups um, going on with Central going down the road as well. So they're going to continue. What people have to understand a lot of times, and like I said, I see the comments, which is cool. But when you're talking about what they did, and like I said, I never wanted them to leave um, leave the me at themselves. Like I said, I'm, I'm 
probably still, you know, 50-50 on it. Um, but when it comes to what conference churning and conference realignment um, is, I understand it based on the strategic plan. Um, so when it comes to uh, we're going to continue being an HBCU and playing HBCUs, I get it. I get it. And as long as that continues, that's cool. It's not where the swag is when it comes to every week. This is an experience. It's not that. If you look at it, it I, I want people to sit, to measure the attendance when when A&T played Elon versus when A&T played Morgan State. When A&T played Bethune-Cookman versus when A&T played some other opponent that's close. It's not what you think it is. So when it comes to them leaving, as much as I did not want to leave the MEAC, I understood from a number standpoint where they were aiming. So I think you can still be culturally relevant and not be in an HBCU conference, even though I don't like not being in an HBCU conference. But that's Jamie Walker's opinion. The the views of the BCSN Sports Rap are not the views <laughs> of Jericho Broadcast Network. You you can at what Sport Voice JW Sport Voice JW <laughs> you at Sport Voice JW for all all your comments. Uh, last uh, HBCU pony is uh, Division Two Ever Waters, newly Division Two Ever Waters. Uh, two other games I'll. Uh, on your guys' schedule before we get to the other two teams. You've got North Dakota State, perennial FCS power, North Dakota State, and you've got FBS Duke. Your thoughts? I don't know why they keep playing Duke. Um, <laughs> but I, I do, do the check but, keep cashing? Does the check yeah, keep exactly. cashing? Listen, That's exactly listen, why they keep playing cashing. Duke. So I get it. Um, but what I'll say is this, um, a couple of years ago, that game was closer than the experts predicted. Um, A&T, you know, over the last five, six years has snuck up on an FBS opponent. You know what I'm saying? Quiet, you know, it is what it is. So when it comes to, when it comes to, you know, playing those opponents, I think, you know, they're, they're, you know, lower in the, in the totem pole when it comes to FBS opponents, but you know, you continue playing them, go ahead and get the check and see what happens. You know, you beating the Kent States, the East Carolinas, um, the Charleston Southern. So, I mean, it just depends. So, when it comes to um, when it comes to uh, playing North Dakota State, however, this was a game scheduled a few years ago that they're coming around to play now. Um, do I believe they're ready to play an opponent such as the perennial champion at North Dakota State? At no, at far in Fargo. In the Fargo yes, Dome. In the Fargo Do Dome. Do I think yes. they're ready to play it? Absolutely not. But like Coach Washington said, we'll see where we measure. We'll see where we stack. Where we stack up. And at the end of the day, it was a game that was scheduled at the peak of of what they were doing. So we will see. We'll see if they're ready. Yeah. Uh, North Carolina A T with six home games and two additional. One neutral site game in the state of North Carolina and a road game in the state of North Carolina at Duke. So, A&T, uh, Aggie fans don't have to have a whole lot of travel buddy this year. Just uh, just got to make a bunch of day trips, it looks like. All right. The other two Division One HBCUs, Hampton, Tennessee State. Which direction you want to go? 
former Big South or OVC? Well, we can go Hampton because uh, I think that was okay. fairly, that a fairly quick um, analysis. <laughs> um, they would pick last. Um, you know what I'm saying? Like, like they're jumping into a conference that that plays good football. Um, probably good in the football? top five of F. Yeah, well, good football. You know. Okay. Great football. I, <laughs> and I so, mean, pro- you know, probably outside of the conference where uh you know North Dakota, Missouri North Valley. Dakota State, yeah. and, and, and and all those people in that that this may be the next best conference. And, and the thing about it is, as much as as much as they get that moniker, James Madison was a huge part of that as well, and now they're FBS, so. You know what I'm saying? We'll we'll see. You know what I'm saying? We'll we'll you know we'll we'll see what they end up doing. And I think this will tell, or this test really will be um, a litmus test for really both A&T and Hampton of how much football interest remains. Because you can go to this conference and get beat and lose a generation of fans that's been there for you. Um, through a lot of things, through you know the the Sam Washingtons, the raw Broadways, you know, even back to the you know the Lee Fobs, you know what I'm saying? So so when you're talking about you know losing your fan base based on how you fare in this conference, you know we'll see what happens. We'll we'll see you know what occurs. But as they ta- as they're talking about the CA, and let's get back to Hampton, but. Hampton has some pieces. Um, Jadakiss Bonds, you know, great receiver. He ate up A&T secondary last year. Um, it, it's good. But otherwise, I don't know if you have those athletes and those football players to really compete in the CAA this year. Just like jumping into any other conference, you have to recruit for that conference. And so we'll see what happens because it's going to take a while to be, to be competitive. Um, and that, that'll go for both squads. So we'll see what happens with Hampton this year. I know they played Tuskegee. Um, I think early on, I think they should win that ball game. Uh, I also think watch about, watch about now. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll see if Coach Reggie Ruffin has them together. But I think uh, I don't know. Hold on, uh, hold on, before you go on, I don't know who missed this at marketing one on one. But why the Tuskegee Hampton game is not called the Booker T Washington Classic? I do not know. So I don't. I don't know if they could get hold of somebody for the Booker T family to uh, to get the rights to that or something. But there should have been some type of marketing, and that game still hasn't been marketed in that type of manner. You know, with Booker T having attended Hampton and then taking the knowledge he got from Hampton and started Tuskegee, both you know mm-hmm. institutes at that time. You know that 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 should that should have been some better marketing, uh, in my opinion, with that with the fact that Booker T. Washington has that tie to both of these HBCUs. Absolutely, I'm sorry, I had to yeah, go off I mean, on that tangent. Finish no, your thought. No, 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 I think it's the goat. <laughs> Somebody said, "Watch it on the Tuskegee count." Hey, man, we'll see. <laughs> listen, listen. L- let me tell you something. Me. Never go, have gone to a home Tuskegee game 
I want you, you oh, ball oh, and parlay this year. I let let me know when you're going. Let me know when you want to come. Listen, I got you covered. I want to go. I do. I do. So, so you know, it's one of those things where where I'm gonna I, sit I, you I right. I'm gonna sit you in the adult section where there really is no adult <laughs> section in the shed, but in the young <laughs> alumni section of the shed. Well, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. But you know, I think you know they're looking at a few games. Um, I think that um, I think they have uh, Howard on the schedule as well for the um, battle. Is that no? That's not a battle. Yeah, no, no, no. That's what that's what Norfolk State. So um, the battle of the Bay, and then the real battle HU, the, Bay, yeah. the battle of the real HU. So yeah. those might be the three games they have a possibility of getting, but otherwise, when you talk about the conference, I'm not exactly sure where, where they go. Um, because Villanova is definitely the class of the conference right now. They're picked to win it all. Um, but otherwise, I'm not exactly sure. You know, they have battles against, you know, William & Mary, Richmond, you know, a few other squads within their footprint, but not exactly sure what's going on and, and where they'll get those wins from. So we'll see. Yeah. Hey, Edward Boyle uh, brings up a point. Jamie Walker, I get uh, A&T. Hampton, et cetera, interest in playing HBCUs. I don't understand the BX schools continuing to play who left them and placed the conference in jeopardy. Who else are you going to play? Who else? I, I guess the CIAA opponent. Listen, the Mid-Eastern Athletic Conference, like by section, because don't get it twisted. It's beneficial to the other school as well as it is to A and T, especially especially so, on the home and home. Exactly, exactly. It's it's not you know, you know. I mean, at the end of the day, I can understand you know whether you know. I, I remember when this first came out, somebody somebody said boycott A and T, boycott Hampton, boycott. Okay, okay, you can try. I mean, and that's you know, in theory, you know, I understand. I understand. Look, Howard lost big when the uh, BAC banned them from playing. Hampton in the uh, Rio HBCU the year Hampton left them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it works both ways. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I understand people have, you know, people um, have business decisions they have to make and I get it. Um, would it be the same thing if Tennessee state decided, decided not to play Jackson state because, because eventually they're leaving the Southern heritage classic. Just saying. I mean, would it would it be the same kind of thing? I mean, because at the end of the day, I get look 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 at what happened with uh, FAMU Tennessee State. Mm-hmm. You know, that was growing up. That was the game when I was in my you know high school into my early uh, collegiate career. But you know, before that, Southern FAMU it went it went by the wayside, and it was a loss to both schools from not playing that historic classic or historic game period classic format or home and home however you played you know fabu tennessee state same thing be it in the atlanta classic or as a home and home as it got to be late in the uh late in the contract before they go speaking of tennessee state uh jamie your comments tennessee state finished to predicted to finish fourth in the ovc i actually thought they would finish higher and what i mean by that um, is, is, you know, they have some pieces coming back. They had some recruits. I think the quarterback, uh, his name slips my mind, coming from Ohio State. Um, and, and so they've been able to recruit well and use the portal well 
and really get some buzz going into that program. The thing is, you're still, you know, playing the remainder of the OVC schedule. And I think they have the alliance this year. Um, is it with the Big South or was it with A-Sun? I think it's with, with the Big South. So we'll see what happens just to keep their automatic qualifier. Um, I'm curious to see what they are um, able to build upon. Because even before then, I think Coach George, you know, they are making no bones about wanting to move up um, in level. And I think they have a certain mentality when it comes to how they want to approach football. And so, you know, monetarily, um, does it make sense for them to go into another conference? Cause you know, he said it plain. He ain't necessarily, you know, uh, pleased with being in the OVC. Uh, I still think, you know, I still think the swag is natural for them. Um, I think it's a it's a it's a natural fit as well. But you know, they have some some you know things that they don't necessarily want to to you know do as well. But as far as the football is concerned, I, I think they'll grow on what happened last year. But you know, I think a lot of people haven't made um, haven't really given you know a significant loss to Tennessee State when it comes to the coaching staff. And that's Hugh Jackson being in Grambling. You know, Hugh Jackson ran that offense. And so we'll see how that transition really goes with what Tennessee State does. But, again, they've used the portal well. Um, you see the buzz going in when it comes to um, what they're able to do as far as getting, you know, Power 5 recruits to come there because I think that's Coach George's influence. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. Right now I think they're picked to finish fourth. I think they're a little bit better than that, but we'll see. Yeah, and A&T's HBCU games to play Jackson State, obviously in the Southern Heritage Classic. We we all know the controversy about that. We're not going to touch on it on this show. Don't have enough time on it. They've got Lane in week five, and they play Bethune-Cookman for homecoming. Interesting choice for a homecoming opponent. I'm not quite sure I would have had one of my three HBCU matchups as a homecoming game because I think that game would have drawn naturally. I might have picked another Mm. game on my schedule to have um, homecoming to uh, try to get get that crowd back. But I do know that they are planning to have homecoming at Hale Stadium. So maybe that has something... uh, it, you know, in the thoughts right there, maybe they wanted to make sure that the stadium was packed out, possibly. I haven't confirmed it, but I have heard rumblings about them uh, having homecoming at Hill Stadium this year. So, uh, And that will be great any, for them. That will be great. Yeah. Any any last comments uh, you want to get in before we head to this next break? Nope, I am good. Just I love the dialogue going on in, in, in the comment section. Lo- loving what I'm seeing, but keep them coming, man. I mean, hey, love the opinions. Yeah, and with that, we are about to take a break. And coming up after the break, y'all, we are going to get into the BAC. And when we get into the BAC, it's time to bring in our special guest, Mr. Brandon B.J. Jones of Inside Inside HBCU Football. You are listening and watching the BCSN Sports Wrap. 
AD, JB pitch hitting for, for Brian this week. We'll be right back. Q-Time is our classic Atlanta soul food restaurant located in the historic West End. Q-Time Soul Food is a family business started by Fred and Christine Crenshaw. Come on in, relax, and sink your chops into our tantalizing, mouth-watering, distinctive soul food with a twist, the Q-Time way. 1120 Ralph David Abernathy Boulevard, or call your order in at 404-758-2881. Do you miss your mama's cooking? Then come on down to Q-Time, an Urban Passport member. You see, Head & Shoulders has a scalp shield technology protects against flakes even between washes. It's never not working. Kind of like us. Number 15? Never not working. I don't like this one. Me neither. Let's get out of here. Head & Shoulders scalp shield. Never not working. It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition, and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids' apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCU Pride Joy on Facebook and Twitter. Follow the Black College Sports Network on social media at MyBCSN1, the number one, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at MyBCSN1. This is the BCSN Pod Zone, your place for the news, views, and conversations about all things related to HBCU athletics. Here are the BCSN Sports Wrap, Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab, Knights of the Round Table, The Pre-Game Show, The Carlos Brown Show, The ONG Strike Zone, and more in one place. We are changing the way you consume HBCU sports one broadcast at a time. Marina City. We are back here on the BCSN Sports Wrap. AD Drew, Jamie Walker. Hey, going to remind you once again, like, share, and subscribe to the BCSN Sports Wrap. Follow us on Twitter at MyBCSN and the number one. Once again, that's MyBCSN and the number one. And if you miss any of this podcast you can go back and watch it on facebook youtube and catch it on the bcsn pod zone that's right the bcsn pod zone available anywhere that you subscribe to podcast all right jamie 
it's time to get into this MIAC. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. First of all, I want to give a shout out to uh to someone. You know, the the Black College Sports Network had live coverage from all four of the HBCU media days. Let's see, going back to SIAC Media Day, that was you and you and Brian Fullfoot. Uh, so there was supposed to be a third person there, but somebody had some issues getting up to uh, Atlanta. I'm going to call his name out, but you can see him right here on the screen next to Jamie Walker. So I didn't quite make the SIAC media day. Uh, then we had the CIAA media day where myself and Faith Daniels jetted up to Roanoke, Virginia for the SIAC media day. Then the day after that was the SWAC Media Day, where we had the full Black College Sports Network team in Birmingham, Alabama. And the last one that you guys just came from in Norfolk, Virginia, we had J.B. Walker and Dr. Kenyatta Cavill covering the BIAC Media Day for the Black College Sports Network. Black College Network was one of two entities to cover all four media days with live coverage. The one, the one other one, Your Street TV, a.k.a. Michael Jefferson. And I'm going to give Michael a shout out because unlike the Black College Sports Network, who had a team of people to send to different media days based on everyone's personal schedule and availability, Michael Jefferson was the team. He was there all his equipment, two, yes. two three hours set up, two, two hour breakdown. Uh, those, if, if you haven't been into this, especially when you're doing live coverage outside of your home studio or your studio, the setup and breakdown will make you tired even before you get into the podcast portion of it, uh, Jamie. Uh, anything you want to say about that? It does, but I'm going to tell you what, I'm going to give a shout out to. Uh... To, to both Mike, we uh, um, actually talked on his show a little bit, and he talked about the importance of just networking in general. And and I loved what he was doing because uh, he is definitely a one man band. He got everybody you know involved, um, and, and so you know he was out there networking, making sure that he gave the coverage to his viewers. It was it was absolutely great. But I got to give a shout to Dr. Cavill once again. I don't know how his setup is, but it's it's compact. And it still gave you the great coverage you needed. I need to learn from him because, hey, he can move around with his stuff, and it was still great. So, hey, kudos to him. I, I hey, it's some stuff I can definitely learn. Well, I need that too because I get tired of taking two suitcases every time I got to get on a plane to go somewhere, my brother. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 then you know, and then don't try to do the carry on because you know how hard it is to get to security right now. Uh, take that camera out, take that laptop out, take this out, take that mixer out. Oh my god! Yeah. Take, and and, yes. and it takes you so long to pack that stuff back the right way so that it doesn't break uh, when you're traveling. <laughs> Yeah, I, I was looking at looking at it again the comments, man. YouTube, I see y'all going at it, man. I love it, love it on the comments. Tamara, uh, I'm always keep it real about Ant. I'm always keep it real. Uh, I'm an alum, yeah. but I'm a I'm a keep it, you know, straight, no chaser. Uh, let me see who else is on here. Uh, we talked about it earlier as far as you know movement, you know, as far as what their what the Miak's vision was, you know, right now they're standing pat, um, just because you know. 
they're waiting for some other stuff to develop. Um, so I think their vision right now is just a wait and see type of thing. I think they're reaching out to people, uh, but it has to make sense for them. That's kind of the, the commissioner's um, stance right now. So I think that's where you're where you're at. Yeah, yeah. Before we get into the, the specifics of the media day, there was something that was a comment that was made during media day that really made me take pause. And I believe it was during this BAC media day. I, I, I wound up watching a couple of them over the weekend, going back and rewatching the replays on the Black College Sports Network. That's at my BCSN and the number one on YouTube. But it, anyway, uh, there was a coach, and I cannot remember which coach it was. I wish I would have written it down, but I was driving when I heard it. Uh, Second, into that second year. Now, let's think about that. Coming off of COVID, a lot of teams played spring ball. Teams who didn't play spring 21 ball, most of them didn't do anything. So you had teams either coming off playing spring ball and then hiring a coach in late April, May, some of them even June. And then those coaches have to hit the ground running with no summer camp, no spring practice, and compete last year. Or you had coaches who were hired but couldn't do anything because their schools basically shut everything down and they were not able to begin until August with it with their players. And a lot of most of those coaches did not have successful first years. Matter of fact, the only coach that I can think of that may have had a successful first year was at Lane College, where they went seventy four with the first, with the first year coach. I outside of Lane, I don't think any other coach who was had whose twenty twenty one season was their first year finished above five hundred. And I'm just going off the top of my head right now. So if if there's something out there, I'm pretty sure y'all go put it in the chat and let me know that I forgot about forgot about a coach or two there and one of the coaches that intrigues me is Dawson Odom up at Norfolk same situation he's in his second year but this is his first full offseason that he's had you know he's he's at a disadvantage compared to coaches who took over teams this year most of those coaches were hired in December and January had the opportunity to get the staff hired then go through spring practice then go through summer workouts as they go into this fall camp. Uh, so, Jamie, my question to you is, of the second-year coaches that you can think of, first of all, will these second-year coaches have more success than they did in year one, given the circumstances Absolutely. from coming off of COVID? Absolutely. Um, because they have a full spring to be able to implement things. You also got to remember in the MEAC, you know, they tried to, you know, saying play spring schedule that year. But what ended up happening was, you know, this team had to drop out. You had to makeshift games. You had to cancel this game at the last minute. You know, even within the SWAT, you know, I remember Alabama and them couldn't play until later because they couldn't And then they picked up the game at South home. Carolina State. Yeah, it was like, all right, cool. We're just picking up games here and there like it's three on three. And we had to part. So <laughs> you, know you so, want to run, man? Hey, 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 hey! You want to exactly. run? <laughs> exactly. So no squad really is at full strength until this upcoming season, especially coaches that were hired. Now there were some coaches that did not survive the COVID period. I can, you know, 
um and there were no stretch that into the, yeah to the division twos when it came you know to to um to Clark Atlanta you know so you know it is what it is when it comes to when you know athletic directors um, directors decide to you know pull the trigger on a coach but at the end of the day I think what you said is really interesting about Norfolk State because you know Dawson Odom's um, and the game plan that he often puts in is not complex. You have someone like a J.J. Davis who, if you get any kind of good quarterback play, they're, they're, his offensive game is not predicated on them throwing the ball a ton. In fact, when Jawan Carter was in there last year, he threw the ball some, but he was also one that would take off with the ball. So it's really just staying ahead of the chains. Um, they also play good defense, really, you know, stout front seven, um, you know, speed on the back end. But when you look at, at the way um, he sets up teams and really being disciplined, we talked to a couple of, of players at media day, you know, their biggest thing was to just stay strong and be disciplined. That's what they want to implement in this year's team, because really they had everything going for them at the end of last year. Even, you know, I thought them and South Carolina State were, were neck and neck. Um, but you know, Norfolk State, you know, kind of tailed off at the end. And really, that was due to, you know, uncharacteristic things going on with their ball club. So I think this year, if they can be more disciplined, they'll be just fine. I think they give them, along with North Carolina Central, give South Carolina State, you know, a scare. even Because South Carolina State is still really a young team. You know, Corey Fields and Jablonski um, Green showed up at a media day. They're sophomores. You know what I'm saying? Redshirt sophomores. These are young kids that show significant flashes at the end. If you saw um, Corey, Corey Fields in the second half of that ball game, and I asked him specifically, what in the world did the coaching staff tell you <laughs> to, to play that ball game? And he just said, they just told me to calm down. If he can, can get into, because I think he's right at um, 50% um, completion rate. If he can get that into the 60s, they're going to be tough to beat because they can run the football with flowers. They have a great, they had a young offensive line. They started like three or four freshmen. You're talking about a squad that was really young. And I say that to say, you know, they played a lot of big opponents in the beginning. They played Clemson. Um, They played, um, I want to say it was New Mexico state. So they played some competition in the beginning to get them ready for that MEAC schedule. But, they're still relatively young and will make young mistakes. So if Central and Norfolk State in particular can take advantage of that, you know, we'll see what happens. And don't forget about Delaware State as well. Um, Coach Milstead said something really significant. He said he did not understand why they were picked, I think, fourth or fifth, because they're bringing back their entire defense. You know, that's significant. He said also they're bringing back their quarterback, which they haven't done since he's been there as far as two years straight. Um, they lost Savion Wilkinson to Jackson State, but they still bring back a pretty good running game. So they could be one of those teams that surprise um, people as well. So it just depends, man. It really just depends on how everything shapes out. Yeah, and uh, Coach Rob Billstead, uh talk about somebody who I think needs to get it done. Coach Billstead entering his fifth season at Delaware State and, and – keeping it real, has not been able to get the job done, has not had a winning season at Delaware State. I think his best season is five and six, but he's been sub 
standard in the MEAC also, you can take a five and six record if you if four of those wins come in your conference, and that has not been the case for Bill Stead. So uh, let's hope that he gets off to a good start so that we don't see another uh, potential coaching change because this, this is the last of that cycle. So most coaches get one cycle to, to show that they can do it or, or it's time to move on. That's just the standard in, uh, in sports, period. That, and that's football, baseball, basketball, does not matter the, uh, the sport. Also, Jamie, something else that's uh, interesting about this particular year, a lot of coaches last year were able to kick the can down the road for their starting quarterback. Because of COVID, a lot of people took their COVID year and stayed in school. A lot of these coaches did not have to answer the quarterback question last year. Well, that's not the case this year. How many HBCUs have we talked about where they'll be good if the person, the, the new quarterback is good, or if we know who the signal caller is? You know, the coaches kicked the can down the road last year. A lot of these coaches can't do it this year. Well, there are several of those in the SWAC, um, even more so than the MEAC. Um, if you look at Grambling, I've said, I've said really the, the same thing for a lot of those squads. Grambling, um, Southern, Grambling, Prairie Southern, View. Um, Tennessee State, but uh, yeah, where Bethune yeah. Bethune has a fam. You uh, has it. You've got you've got you've got Norfolk. Uh, you know you've got so many perennial powers where it seems like they've got every other question answered, but the quarterback. You've got the you've got the wide receivers. You've got the running back. You or, or, or you've got the line or you've got the defense. You just don't know who your signal caller is. So you know that that's. Outside of we're gonna get back on the MEAC, but in the swag, you've got Shadur, you've got you've got Juwan Pass, and then mm-hmm. you've got uh uh help me out, uh UAPB. You know, Juwan Pass is gone. You talking about last year? Not Juwan you, Pass, you uh, uh Andrew Body, I'm sorry. Andrew yeah, Body. Yeah. Andrew Body at uh at uh UAPB. Help me out. Like uh Oh um Scholar Scott, um Scholar um, Perry. Yeah. Scholar Perry. Yeah. So you're yeah. talking about? I mean, don't, don't, you know, those are the only three quarterbacks that you could name in the swag. Mm-hmm. And so when you're looking at the, just how that's shaking out, um, and, and kind of swinging it back to the MEAC, those with with those quarterbacks in place, you got Quentin Williams at, at Howard. Um, you have, um, I think ah, I forgot the, the, the guy's name slips my mind um, at Dale State. But you have um, quarterbacks in place Four. when you're talking about Davius Richard. You know what I'm saying? Or the That's six schools have, a, have the quarterback in place. Mm-hmm. So when you're talking about, you know, them being in place, that already gives them a leg up on those squads that don't. Because, again, you're going to use – you don't have a preseason per se in college, but you're talking about those teams you're going to play early before you get into conference play. And you're going to see who kind of ascends. I would even bounce that back to A&T for a second. Right now, the controversy is, do you start a freshman, um, you know, over those court, over Jalen Fowler? Um, you, you, you have really three good quarterbacks on that squad. So right now, you don't know exactly who's going to, you know, take the reins and go. But, you know, when it comes to the MEAC, you know, right now, those with good signal callers or at least proven signal callers, um, they have a leg up on everyone else. It's just, I'm just curious to see what Norfolk State eventually does. Now, now Jay, Jay you talking about that uh, first-week opponents in the MEAC. 
Delaware State plays Lincoln of PA. Maybe a game that they could try a couple of quarterbacks in. Howard, Alabama State. Morgan State, Georgia Southern. Georgia Southern's no punk. Uh, let's see. Norfolk, Marshall. Central, A&T. South Carolina State, Central Florida. These are not the games that I'm really trying to figure out who my quarterback is. Let's take it. Let's take it. Let's take it to week two, Jamie. Delaware State, Delaware. Howard, South Florida. Morgan State, Towson. Norfolk State, James Madison. Central, Winston-Salem. South Carolina State, BCU. Yeah, kind of, kind of tough if you don't know if you don't know who your signal call is. Kind of tough to figure out how you go split the snaps because when the second man come in, he may be down three, t- three, four touchdowns in some in some of these games, Jamie. I agree. I agree. The only ones that stand out to me is the um, Central Winston Salem State game um, that you were just talking about. But and you Delaware know State Lincoln. Know. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, that is kind of hard to figure out when you're playing those kind of opponents, but it uh, it really just all depends on what a coach is looking for um, in relation to um, savvy, whether or not, you know, you're looking for this, you know, whether you're looking for leadership skills. It just really depends. It just really depends. But these schedules are becoming really interesting. They really are now because, you know, we, we're talking about scheduling really in the FCS in general about who you want to play. And, you know, I'm not sure exactly what approach is good or bad. It just really depends on the school's philosophy. But if you're unsure at some positions, you know, you may want to consider due schedule, but you got to consider also you do these schedules two, three, four, five, ten years down the road. So it just depends. Yeah. Preseason Offensive Player of the Year in the MEAC, J.J. Davis of Norfolk State, Jablonski Green uh, defensive player of the year, South Carolina State. Uh, any surprise right there, Jamie? Neither one of those surprises. Um, I guess you could have made, um, you know what I'm saying, a, a case for Davius Richard just because, you know, two consecutive 2,000-plus yard um, seasons um, really has been uh, what that central offense has needed. Um, so you could have made a case for him. You could have made a case for Quentin Williams, um, who, you know, I told him at uh, media days, you know, Quentin Williams been there a long time. The last starting quarterback uh, for for Howard was um, somebody by the name of Kalen Newton. <laughs> when when Quentin Williams got, yeah, when Quentin Williams actually got into the ball game or got in, um, started running that offense. Yeah. Uh, looking up and down the uh, the first and the second teams from the from from the BAC, and you can go to BACSports.com to see the first team and second team nominations. Anybody who you think should have possibly switched teams, you know, someone on the second team who should replace somebody on the first team, because you can't just pick somebody on the second team and say they should be first team unless you go tell me who you're going to move off the first team and put them on the second team, (laughs) offensively or defensively. Any of those names uh, stick out you think maybe should have been flip-flopped or possibly somebody left off the second team who should have been on the second team? No, I think, think, you know, when you're looking at at them down the line, I think – um, I think right now, you know, they're put 
or everything you you know it kind of stands pat only because you know you got a lot of talent i don't think people really give the MIAC enough credit for the talent up down um both offensively and defensively so i think you know again i i think these names are fine All right all right tell me that one conversation whether be it on camera be it uh off camera that you had during the media day that really just sticks out sticks out of your mind and, and, and make you like okay this 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 guy's the truth for this coach is this coach has really impressed me there by the end of the season damon wilson's gonna beat some people um that's that's the one that's me. Um, yeah coach wilson's gonna beat some people they're gonna have that squad ready uh because he was hired so late i think they're behind the eight ball but i think by the end of the season they're gonna be scary they're gonna be real scary um i guess a second person almost had me convinced that they should be further up <laughs> because i think um you know i had a conversation with Quentin Williams and um, Darian Brokenberg, uh, which is the defensive end and punter. Quentin Williams, of course, the quarterback. And I think they really have a comprehensive plan along with, you know, their head coach Larry Scott to be able to right the ship. I think this is probably his most complete team. So we'll see if they're able to actually, you know, put pieces together. They have some game up um, that I think, you know, will will test um, what this team is. but. You know, again, I, I think talking about Howard in general is just really going to come down to recruit it well, too. Um, Eden James coming in, Edron James' son, um, coming in to run the football. But they also had um, running backs anyway that were able to, you know, kind of run the football. So if they're able to just keep those pieces together and really lean on that se- that junior and senior experience, I think they may do a little better. But definitely Damon Wilson. Um and that squad um, will get some people at the end because I think um, Morgan State, even though they waited, they hired the right person. They definitely made a solid hire. Um, you've seen what he's done at Bowie State. Uh, he already has players believing in the culture, and he just really got there. So he haven't he hasn't really been able to put his stamp on that program yet. But I guarantee. You know, and one of those hires that he made, you know, even though he went to Alabama State and then turned around and came on back to the um to to the Baltimore area, was defensive coordinator Antoine Sewell, um, who left Bowie State, took the job at Alabama State for the same position. But once you know, Coach Wilson got the job at Morgan, you know, he decided to come on back home, um, and so that is a solid hire. So you know what they're going to be, um, you know, defensively going to be fast and physical. And so I think by the end of the season, once they get to recruiting, which they've already kind of targeted that, they want to put a fence around that DMV Baltimore area. And so once they're able to do that, I think Morgan State ascends, especially in the next two years. I think they'll be fine. Yeah. One game, you know, you're talking about being able to uh, get somebody late. October 29th, they play South Carolina State in Baltimore. Maybe one of those uh, games that you may want to circle on the calendar that uh, that Morgan State may be able to uh, get. Last question before we go to break, Jamie. And I, I always do this. 
all airport team. Now, let, let me clarify this. We're not, we not dissing any of these teams when I, when I ask this question. But if you do nothing about any of those teams that you saw at BAC Football Media Day, and you just happened to be passing them at Hartsfield Airport and found out that they were football players, and, and you was like, yeah, that, that team looked like it's going to be legit. Who, who would you say was the all airport team? Just like they just looked like ball players and looked like they they could just break you up with a hit or just throw the ball all over the place on you. Norfolk State. Um, I think they had Kobe. Um, ah, I forgot his name. Off the um, offensive lineman and linebacker. Um, they looked the part coming off the bus. <laughs> it was just one of those things. If I didn't know they played ball. And we were just walking around. They definitely looked the part. They looked like they looked like Coach Odoms. <laughs> okay. Yeah. 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 They they looked the part. So definitely them. Definitely them. If I can, let me see. I was trying to actually get their names, but yeah, yeah, they definitely looked the part. I think um, when you're looking at them, they are already a reflection of their coach. They look like they want to hit you then. <laughs> they do. Um, and, and I think, you know, they fit in that mold as, as a Deshaun Dixon, who's with um, the Jacksonville Jaguars, who was at um, Norfolk State. They go in that same mold, you know, just physical, tough. You know, they, they're going to come right at you and hope you stop it. So I think for me, you know, if, if the all, you know, all world, all bus, airport, whatever, they look the part for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, the one thing that you always see in the airport, Jamie, advertising. So we need to go ahead and get some of ours out the way so we get into this last <laughs> segment, man. Uh, when we come back, we'll continue with more of the BAC Football Media Day. We're going to give our predictions and we're going to play one. We're going to play another edition of Over and Under, uh, Jay, but we're going to play BAC style this time on that over and under you're watching the bcsn sports rap i'm ad he's jamie we'll be right back maureen is saving big holiday shopping at amazon so now she's free to become maureen the marrier food is her love language and she really loves her grandson like really loves no Nope. You want him? Ooh, I like him. Quick, the quicker picker-upper. Bounty picks up messes quicker, and each sheet is two times more absorbent, so you can use less. He's an eight. He's a nine. Bounty, the quicker picker-upper. It's like a loop machine. Going around town, trying to get down. Driving offers the most advanced and luxurious pickup in its class. Yeah, it rocks. 
Q-Time is our classic. Follow the Black College Sports Network on social media at MyBCSN1, the number one, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at MyBCSN1. Welcome back to the BCSN Sports Wrap. JB Walker on that side of the screen. AD Drew over here on this side of the screen. Going to remind you once again to like, share, and subscribe. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast on the BCSN Pod Zone, available anywhere you stream podcasts. All right, Jamie, let's get into the, the schedule. BAC, and this is from BACsports.com. The BAC has announced its football package for the 2022 season, which features 30 regular season matchups on ESPN, ESPNU, ESPN3, ESPN Plus, and one postseason appearance on ABC. Obviously, we know what that postseason appearance is. That's going to be the celebration bowl. First of all, Jamie. One thing that I I am so happy of this year, there's only one Thursday night matchup. There's yeah. only one. Wish we didn't have wish we didn't have that one. But there's there's one Thursday night matchup. That one Thursday night matchup is on October 13th. That's gonna be Morgan State at Central, and that's gonna be on ESPN. You so at least we're on linear with the uh, with that Thursday night matchup. Uh, Thursday night matchups are not good for the HBCU culture, uh, Jamie. Uh, you know, it people isn't. People, don't, it isn't. people don't travel, and then especially you get the distance from a Morgan State to a North Carolina Central. You know, if we're gonna have a Thursday night matchup, it needs to be uh, two teams that are within the same uh, same. Neck, neck of the woods, you know. Morgan State Howard would have been a better Thursday night game. At least they right up the road from each other. Uh, anything sticks out to you when you look at the TV schedule? Well, only because of the few teams that are in. Um, I'm just looking forward to both the Central and um, South Carolina State matchup, uh, only because of what they provide. Um, I think you're talking about what the winner um, of the conference will be or um, in that matchup. Um, Norfolk State probably has something to say about that. But, you know, th- that's really the game I'm looking forward to only because, you know, there's so the stakes are high this time. I think Central and Norfolk State really um, had some bad taste in their mouths when it came to how the end of the season um, – you know, kind of shook out because they had opportunities to beat South Carolina State and really just didn't take advantage of them. So, you know, we'll we'll see what happens. But I'm definitely with you on the Thursday night game. I, I haven't witnessed a really good Thursday night game where you could see the attendance and that it really gave um gave a people gave the people what they wanted in relation to showing all that HBCU football has to offer. So, yeah, I'm not with yeah. those either. 
Yeah. The uh <laughs> the Thursday night game that stuck out for me last year was uh, uh was at AM and Bethune in the Rainfest down in uh Daytona last year. Yeah, exactly. Was. was that who that was? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. That uh, that one was that one was ugly. Something that I noticed is on uh ESPN U, well, excuse me. They've got a lot of tape delayed games on ESPNU later in the season. They'll be live on three, but they will be tape delayed on ESPNU at a time to be determined. But they've got wild card games, you know, Central. Yeah. Let's see, October 22nd, be at wild card number one, Central at South Carolina State or Delaware State at Howard. Preseason, I think Central and South Carolina State is going to be the game of choice that weekend. If you were to ask me today, November fifth, yeah, wild card. Go ahead. Yeah, when they were talking about those wild card games, I'm like, okay, wait a minute. If you look at the matchup, and really, I guess it would be perceived um, order of finish. Then yeah, you're going to probably choose that game over the other. So it just really depends yeah, game, on what games with some type of uh celebration bowl implications in it you know who has the opportunity to win the celebration bowl uh wild card game number two november 5th delaware state at south carolina state or howard at central be honest with you right now today neither one of those games really uh intrigue me no they don't be do at- it for me either i'm looking at yeah <laughs> looking at you know Maybe the Howard at Central game, there's some intrigue at the quarterback position. But if you look at either one of those games and just kind of how they shook out last year, you know, that's, you know, top half teams versus bottom versus bottom yeah. half teams. BAC wild card game number three. And it's, they have the three BAC games. You only got six teams. So BAC game number three, Saturday, November 12th, Morgan State, Delaware State. South Carolina State Howard, North Carolina Central at Norfolk State. Once again, I'm leaning on Central this time against Norfolk State. Uh, that's going to be one of those games, in my opinion. If Central beats, uh, if if Central is is in the race and they beat South Carolina State on October 22nd. That game may be the game that determines the Celebration Bowl winner, in in my opinion. Or, on the flip side, if Central loses, Norfolk State is going to have to potentially win that game to make the game the following week important, which is wild card game number four, Howard Morgan, or Norfolk State, South Carolina State. I've already said that Howard Morgan game should have been the Thursday night game. Your your comments yeah. on those last two uh, wild card games? Yeah, I think you're you're right when it comes to just how that game is shaped up. Um, you're talking about the ones on the twelfth, right? Uh, yeah, the twelfth and the nineteenth. Okay, the twelfth and the nineteenth. Yeah, definitely the Central Norfolk State um, game would be the one that everybody would view, and even the one on the nineteenth. You know, the Howard-Morgan State game is interesting based on proximity, but I think, you know, having something to play for 
would definitely be the Norfolk State South Carolina State game. Yeah, some of the games on uh, ESPN Plus Central Winston Salem September tenth, a game of no. Virginia Lynchburg gets some shine on the on the full data network as they play Delaware yeah. State on seven on the seventeenth. We get to finally see Virginia Lynchburg with some shine. Yeah, they are, man. That, I mean, they're buzz on, on on social media. We'll see what happens. You know, when they get on the football field, they're playing it. They're taking all comers. Yeah. Only problem with that game, though, Jamie, that starts at the same time as the Battle of the Bay <laughs> on uh yeah on ESPN uh, Plus. <laughs> same day, same time. So I kind of think I know which game is going to get the most viewership of, of the two games. Just my personal Absolutely. opinion. Uh, wow. Virginia Lynchburg is on here. Uh, Virginia Lynchburg is on here four times. All four BAC opponents that they play, they play on ESPN Plus. How interesting. Very interesting. Very yeah. interesting. They're well, getting all kinds of ESPN shine. Yeah. One other game of note that I see on ESPN Plus, Saturday, October 8th, FAMU travels to South Carolina State. So That's going to be interesting. That That's going to be some, some get back. We'll see if South Carolina State can actually, because that wasn't a, a close game at all last year with FAMU. So, you know, we'll we'll see. We'll see if, if, you know, if South Carolina State can really, you know, right the ship when it comes to playing FAMU. Um, I still have some questions about FAMU, even though I think they're a quality opponent. But, you know, everybody's not on the Rashawn McKay bandwagon. You know, there's some questions, but they definitely recruited well. And so we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Them going to Orangeburg will be a little bit different. So I think it could be a trap game for FAMU. All right, all right, and and those uh those choice games that ESPN have, the games that are not chosen will be shown on ESPN Plus. So they'll they will be on the ESPN family. It's just which one of them will be on linear versus which one will be digital only. Particular order finish in the BAC. No surprise to most people. Well. I, I, I'll take that back. There was a possibly a little bit of surprise, and I'll go through these in reverse order, Jamie. Morgan State, sixth place, Morgan State, 26 points, one first-place vote. Fifth place, Howard, 52 points, one first-place vote. Delaware State, fourth place, 58 points, one first-place vote. Norfolk State, 80 points, but the only school with no first-place votes. Interesting. Interesting. Hold your comment. Interesting. Hold your comment. Mm-hmm. Second place, 92 points, North Carolina Central, one first place vote. And in first place, 124 points, eight first place votes, South Carolina State University. Did, two questions. Did it surprise you that Central was predicted to finish ahead of Norfolk State? Question one. And question two, well, which one surprised you more? Central predicted finish ahead of Norfolk State or the fact that Norfolk State had no first-place votes? That Norfolk State had no no first-place votes because I think they very well could have. Um, 
they very well can win that conference. I don't see anything that says either, you know, you can easily say South Carolina State should dominate, but I don't think that's the case. I think they are the class of the conference, but I think Norfolk State and Central are right there with them. All right. All right. Now, I'm, I'm just go off script. I'm, I'm just going to ask you this question. Of the we got three pods of six in FCS HBCU football. You've got the BAC, SWAC East, SWAC West. Of those three pods, which one of them do you think will have the most parity of, of each group of six? Where you won't have a dominant team, you're gonna have a bunch of teams that are, you know, somebody's gonna win the that that group one, maybe two games over 500, but it's going to be one of those, everybody have a win, everybody have a loss, and every game is going to be competitive. Which one? Which group do you think will have the most parity of those three? SWAC East, SWAC West, or the BAC? Great question. Um, wow. And, I, and that just came off the top of the, my head. <laughs> initially, I would have said the SWAC West, um, but I think the MEAC. I think the MEAC, because I think I can't, for me, there's not a significant drop-off between two and six when it comes to the MEAC. I think, I think very, I mean, yeah, I think you could reverse the orders of two and six. South Carolina State has solidified themselves as the number one squad, but between two and six, you know, it could be anybody. I know I said Morgan was, was you know what I'm saying, years away or a couple of years away. But I'm telling you, by the end of the season, I just have that much faith in um in Coach Damon Wilson. Um, the SWAC West, though, wow. I think I have to go with heavy. Good. I, I, oh, go I, I'm, I'm going to help you out. I'm going to help you out. I have to go with the SWAC West. Okay. And the reason I have to go with the SWAC West is there is no dominant team in the SWAC West right now. Every team in the SWAC West has the potential to be great. But every team in the SWAC West is flawed. And flawed, extreme, extremely flawed. When I say extremely flawed, flawed at more than one position. If it's not the starting quarterback, it's the offensive line. If it's not the offensive line, it's, 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 the, it's the back seven. If it's not the back seven, it's the front four. And most of these teams have question marks in, in, in two or more of these categories. The SWAC East, you have a dominant team. You have two dominant teams. You have FAMU and you have Jackson State as your, as your clear-cut two dominant teams. In the MEAC, you have South Carolina State as your dominant team, and then you've got a 2A and a 2B with Central and Norfolk State. In the SWAC West, you talk to six people, you're going to get six different people who predict who's going to win that SWAC West probably. Southern right now is the clubhouse leader, but... No one picks Southern with confidence. They're picking Southern because of no. the coach. But do coach, continuity, style, does he have his players? You know, who's your quarterback? Grambling. Who's your quarterback? Texas Southern. We know who the quarterback is, but can they stop somebody? Prairie View. 
what do they have? What do they have left over? UAPB. We know who the quarterback is, but uh, what 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 about the defensive side of the ball? We know offensively they they should be able to do something. What about the line at uh, UAPB? Alcorn State. Once again, who's your quarterback? Who you gonna hand the ball off to? All everybody in the West has multiple questions. You can't really say that about all the other ones, uh, about all the other conferences, just my other divisions. That's just my personal opinion. No, I think you're right. I think I think everyone has that question. That's kind of why I picked, um, because they, you know, the MIAC because that swag West is just hard to dictate. You can't, I mean, I, I for one think it'll be Southern as well, but I think we're putting a lot of stake, um, into Eric Dooley. I think we're putting, you know, we're, we're, we're saying he is the difference between, you know, in that team, but ultimately he is not playing football. So who is he going to appoint to be the signal caller of that squad? So for right now, that's what I'm trying to see. Right. Just like you pick Southern. I pick Alcorn. So, like I say, talk to multiple people, you'll get multiple answers. All right, all right, Jamie. Now it's time to play a little bit of over and under. And for those who were with us last week, we played this. We're going to go with conference wins. Now, these numbers are based on the BCSN preseason predicted model and we're going to do these in half so that we don't have any pushes just like when you go to vegas you don't have any pushes when you bet in vegas so we're gonna have we're gonna play the half game so that you have to get it so you get it right and you're gonna get it wrong and we'll start with the team that uh the computers have predicted to finish last in the conference delaware state one half conference win over or under over. Yeah, over. I'm going to go over. They, they, they will win a conference game, is what you're saying. Yes. Yes. Okay. Next up, Howard. One and a half conference wins. I'm going to go over. Over. Morgan State. Two and a half conference wins. I'm going to go under. Under. Norfolk State. Three and a half conference wins. Hmm. I'm going to go over. Central, two and a half conference wins. Over. South Carolina State. Now, remember, there are only five conference games. So, Mm -hmm. when I ask you this question, four and a half conference wins for South Carolina State. Uh, over says they go through undefeated again. Under means they have one or more losses. Four and a half. South Carolina under. State. Under. You're going to say under. Under. Mm-hmm. They will not go through undefeated. You heard it here first. J.B. Walker predicted. Once again, at him at Sport Voice. Sport Voice JW. JW. <laughs> All right. All right, Jamie. Uh and I think I think I agree with you on I probably agree with you on all of them except North. I'm gonna take the under on Morgan and Norfolk. Okay. I'm gonna take I'm gonna take the over on everyone else. 
right, now let's go. Let's go overall wins, Jamie. Delaware State three and a half overall. Um, darn, I can't say push. Um, you know, you, you need me to help you out with the non-conference games. Non-conference I'm, games. Yeah, I think they. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, non-conference games. Lincoln, PA, Delaware, Lynchburg, Merrimack, Robert Morris, and Campbell. Those are your non-conference games. Three and a half mm. overall. I'm going to go over. Okay. Yeah, I think they'll get that in the conference game. Yeah, yeah. She so said they'll get three plus a conference game is what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Howard, two and a half overall. Non-conference games, Alabama State, Hampton, South Florida, Morehouse, Yale, and Harvard. Mm, under. <laughs> under. Yeah. Morgan State, three and a half overall. Georgia Southern, Towson, Sacred Heart, Virginia Lynchburg, Delaware, Stony Brook. Under. Under. All right. Yeah. Norfolk State Norfolk State, five and a half. Marshall, James Madison, Hampton, St. Francis, Sacred Heart, and A and T. Under. All right. Central, three and a half overall. A and T, Winston Salem, New Hampshire, Lynchburg. Campbell, Tennessee Tech. Wow. Under. Wow. Uh, I think all, all right. these non-conference, these non-conference schedules, woo. All right. They are rough. Last one. South Carolina State. Seven and a half. Now you gave them an under. In the, let me go, let me get the schedule so before you give it. You gave them the under uh for the conference, which means you've got to be four and one possible probably. So, mm-hmm. your remaining games, Central Florida, Bethune, A&T, South Carolina, Lynchburg, and FAMU. Under. Under seven and a half. So, so yeah. all right. They're going go <laughs> they, they go to the Celebration Bowl looking just like they did last year. Twitter gonna be hot today. That's all I'm gonna say. (laughs) But we get off the air. Check your Twitter. All right. So give me your predicted order of finish, Jamie, in the BI. Let's go bottom up. Bottom up. uh, Morgan in last. Dale State. Howard. um, Norfolk State. Central and South Carolina State. Jamie, th- th- this makes for a bad podcast. Because yeah, why is that? My order of finish is exactly yeah. the same <laughs> as yours. We have nothing to debate here. So, <laughs> so, 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 since we have nothing to debate, let's talk about why you have. First of all, why do you still, even though you said Morgan will sneak up on someone? You still have the finishing last. Why? Um, being sneaky is not sure. Um, I think they could be scary, but I just don't think this year is that year. 
So that's why I would pick them last. And for me, I've got Morgan, not quite the valley of old. They, they, I, I, I think. But Morgan reminds me of Valor when Dance, you know, Dance came there. He's taking off. He's trying to enter his culture. He's going to scare the crap out of a lot of people. He may even get somebody in a trap game, but it's going to be tough for Morgan to get out the number six spot. Nope. Definitely no higher than five. Definitely no higher than five. Now, Central two, Norfolk three. Why do you have Central two? I trust um, Davius Richard a little more than I trust um, whoever the signal caller is going to be. Then I trust, then I trust JJ Davis. And the reason I say it like that is because I think the one, two punch um, quarterback receiving core right now just kind of, of stands out to me more than whoever's going to be the signal caller for Norfolk state and JJ Davis. So I kind of trust that a little more. But it very well could be in reverse. I think Dr. Caville's, um, he had Norfolk State second and Central third. And I think I had Central second and Norfolk State third. So it just really all depends. You could flip a coin. It could be either way. But right now, I just trust Central a little bit more than I trust Norfolk State. Definitely advantage Richard at quarterback. Looking at Looking at the difference between these two teams, first team players, both of them have four, two on offense, two on defense. Uh, second team, all-conference players, Norfolk has, and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to count this quickly, Norfolk has three on the second team, one on offense, two on defense, Central has one, two. Ah, interesting. Norfolk has one more player on the first or second team than Central does. Mm. Mm -hmm. Makes you almost want to think a little bit different, but I think right, right now Central has probably the best player on both those teams, and that player just happens to play quarterback in Davies. Richard, that's just my personal opinion on why I think Central has the uh, has the edge over them, and we will find out on November twelfth mm-hmm. when Norfolk, excuse me, when Central travels to Norfolk, Virginia. It's kind of interesting how the schedule makers in the BAC office kind of do what they were doing. They got number three playing number mm-hmm. two, the second to last week of the season, pre- predicted number yeah. three versus predicted number two. And then if number two, if number three wins, they play number one to to wrap it up. But let's see. Central yeah. plays South they Carolina State <laughs> to, to open up. Central plays South Carolina State to open up with a second week of BAC play for them. So Central can set the pace early and have South Carolina State play catch up. So it's so it's interesting. But the thing is, Central 
has a non-conference game against Tennessee Tech week 12, which is the last week of the BX season. So Central will be sitting at home one way or the other when Norfolk and South Carolina State play each other on November 19th. Well, they won't be sitting at home, but that game will have a, no consequence in the BX standings when they when they play each other. And, and Jamie, you know this is the BX, right? You know the most Miakish thing is going to happen this year, right? Yeah, they're going to be tied. <laughs> yeah, one will be <laughs> – let's see. Norfolk, Norfolk will be South Carolina State, but lose uh, – uh, uh, Central, you know how you know how it goes. It's mm-hmm. it, it'll be a three way tie. Mm-hmm. You have three teams at four and one, three teams at one yep. and four. I agree. <laughs> just just you have it, to pick it, one. What's the, the third tiebreaker? <laughs> it'd be about everybody get a ring, and then we got we got to figure out who's going to go to the celebration bowl. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, so final comments, uh, thoughts, uh, Jamie. Man, I'm looking forward to this season. I think, um, you know, what kind of impressed me um, at me at media days was the enthusiasm of really all the teams and what the possibilities are. I think the football in the MEAC will be um, will be really good this year because they're coming off COVID, and I think they have a complete program this year. So I think that football will look better from top to bottom. Uh, all right. Hey, I want to thank each and every one of you all for watching us here on the BCSN Sports Wrap. Next week, we've come, we've covered all of the FCS teams here on the Sports Wrap over the last three weeks. Next week, Jamie, we're going to get into the Division Two and NAIA independent teams, and we have seven of them. For those of you all who like seven, wait a minute, I'm going to count six. Here, here are your seven. In Division Two. You have Lincoln of Missouri. You have Bluefield State. A lot of people forgot Bluefield started football last year. And you have West Virginia State on the Division II level. On the NAIA level, you have Florida Memorial, Langston, Texas College, and new to the NAIA, Arkansas Baptist. A lot of people didn't catch Arkansas Baptist uh, has moved up to the NAIA level. So we have seven schools that we're going to try to preview and cover next week right here on the BCSN Sports Wrap. My partner Brian should be back next week. Jamie, you always have a chair right there if you want to come help us break down those last seven schools. Your your, your seat is always warm. Well, I appreciate you having me, and I might just take you up on the offer, man. All right, all right. In in a moment, we're gonna have to say we gonna we may have to offer you a uh, a regular season contract. You know, we can't keep putting you on these. You only get three ten day contracts according to the league, man. <laughs> <laughs> hey, thanks uh, for listening. It. Hey, thanks for listening and watching the BCS in Sports Wrap. You can catch all of our podcasts on all social media platforms at my BCSN. And the number one. And you can go back and catch the audio version of this podcast on the BCSN Pod Zone, available on all streaming platforms in which you receive your podcast, whether in the car or in the house. Remember, we need you to like, share, 
subscribe, hit that notifications button so that you know when we go live and check us out. But please, most importantly, share this with a friend. So for Jamie Walker, for my, for my regular partner, Brian Fulford, this is A.D. Drew. Thank y'all for watching the BCSN Sports Wrap. We up out of here. Peace. I holla. But you know, my peace, they are hard.